0: read from God's word, Romans 8, verse 18 till 30. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes that what we see? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings, deep, too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of God. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Well, it's good to be here again and see you. I chose a text today because I'm uh, trying to process a lot of the stuff that's going on in my life and my world and uh, wondering how you're doing with that. I have a friend who says, 2024 is gonna be a great year, we're over, and I said, well, I like to be optimistic, but you know what, Uh, things are still gonna happen this year, just like they happened last year, maybe a different way, different place, but uh, I think my uh, conclusion is that we live in a broken world and there's a lot of suffering that comes into our lives, isn't there? How are you dealing with that? Uh, maybe you've just decided to turn off the TV and not look at it at all. Maybe stick your head in the sand. Uh, or maybe you're so obsessed with it you're losing sleep every night over the images that you're seeing from Gaza or Israel or Ukraine or uh, Africa or U.S. Uh, maybe it's not bothering you at all because you're just not thinking about it that much and letting it uh, get in. But uh, for me, I've I've been trying to wonder uh, more deeply what what it's like as a believer to live in a broken world, as a broken person, (laughs) uh, and still have hope and still look forward to what God is doing. So the passage I've chosen, I want to kind of, Key in on the first phrase in verse 18, the sufferings of this present time. That's what Paul said in Romans 8. It's a great chapter. It's probably one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. But whether it's an image of destruction or injury or death or on the news or maybe something very uh, personal and up close, like the loss uh, we've experienced recently with the death of Chloe, Uh, Suffering is gonna come, isn't it? It's not if, but when. And it may be big, it may be small, it may be medium, but it will not just go, it will come and go and come and go in all our lives, no matter what type of suffering it might be. And uh, one thing I've been thinking about is that it's not whether or not you're gonna experience suffering it's how you're gonna understand it. Perception is reality in a certain sense, isn't it? You see, the way you react to suffering is probably more important than the suffering itself as far as your growth and your understanding. So how do you, how do you react? What do you perceive when you see something? And you know, we all uh, perceive the world different. And, and there's a difference between seeing something and seeing through it, isn't there? You know, you can go out and look at a tree and say, that's a bunch of branches and leaves and branch and, and trunk and bark. I see the tree. Or you can look at that tree and say, isn't that beautiful? That's an expression of God's handiwork and creation. You can look at a sign saying Disneyland 20 miles ahead and park your car there and say, oh, we're at Disneyland, here's the sign, and never go to Disneyland. So we wanna be able to see through the suffering and to see and to understand and the perception of it. There's a, a quote I really latched on to recently by Elizabeth Browning, it says this. Just think about it a little bit. Earth is crammed with heaven. All right, And every common bush is aflame with God. It's kind of referring to Moses and the burning bush. Every common bush is aflame with God. But only those who sees, only he who sees takes off his shoes in the holy ground. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. <laughs> so when you see a bush, is it aflame with God and with heaven? So when Paul looks at the present sufferings, he frames it with two words, groaning and glory. So if we were given a title to this, it's groaning for glory. And he's gonna, we're going to see how creation groans, God's children groan, and the spirit groans. So before we jump into that, we need to talk about the word groan. And here, ladies, uh, those of you who've had children, have an edge on us guys because the groaning here is compared to what? Childbirth. And only you can understand that kind of groaning. I have a friend uh, who has just been waiting and waiting and waiting for an overdue baby. It was supposed to come before Christmas, and she had told me this baby will come before Christmas. That was a month or two ago. (laughs) It finally came uh, last week. But she was groaning for uh, this baby to arrive. And the groaning here is suffering with a desire to find relief, isn't it? Uh, The mother is suffering pain and groaning So that looking forward to the time when this baby will come and she'll have relief. And that's the image that Paul gives us here, isn't it? He almost personifies nature and says nature is groaning, just like a mother. So the word groan is not just a physical pain, though. It's it's an emotional reaction. Uh, It's inward. It's a movement of our spirit. It's also translated sigh or sighing, like a sigh, whatever a sigh sounds like to you. It's a sigh. And we know it's not necessarily wrong or sinful, because if you look at uh, the place uh, that word is used in relation to Jesus, Jesus sighed, Jesus groaned. Once he met a deaf man uh, who had a speech impediment, Jesus put his fingers in the guy's finger in the guy's ear and touched his tongue. And then it says, he looked to heaven and groaned. He sighed. What was he thinking when he did that? Why didn't it say he looked to heaven and prayed? He did, but it uses the word groan. He looked at, at this man who was supposed to be a healthy man who could hear and speak, and he had been uh, impaired, so he couldn't And it broke Jesus' heart. And so when we look at something that is not the way it was meant to be, that's the way Jesus, the same way Jesus looked at that man. There's in the next chapter, chapter eight of Mark, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees come and question him and challenge him and say, blah, 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 you know. And, and, And the response is Jesus. Sighed or groaned deeply, and I don't know what that looks like on your face. Maybe you look up and you go, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> really? You really going to go there?" It's a it's a feeling of, "Oh come on, you don't you don't get it. You're not with me." So it's a it's a frustrated feeling. So. It's been going on since the fall and it's going to keep going on. And so let's see what we can learn here today. Number one, creation groans. Creation groans. And, and it tells us why it's groaning. Groaning, right? Because of what? It was subjected to futility. Under bondage, it says. That word futility uh, means corruption, warped. When something's warped, you know something's wrong with it. It it doesn't. It's not orthodox. It's not straight anymore. And if you're a carpenter and your saw is warped, every cut you make is not going to be the degree that it says it's going to be. And what you're trying to make is going to come out crooked because it's been warped. And creation has been warped, and perverted, and it was subjected to that. And so. Somebody put it this way. The reality of our existence is that we are surrounded with suffering. Everything, not just our suffering, but everything in the world steadily, irreversibly, unavoidably suffers because it's ebbing out as well. So the creation was subjected to futility, but two little words there that give us a glimmer. It says uh, there in verse 20, in hope. Notice that? So this keeps us from being totally, totally uh, lost in this. It was subjected in hope. In hope of what? In hope that someday it's going to be reversed. So then, as a result of their sin, God says, you know, corruption's going to come. There's going to be pain and childbearing. There's going to be ground that's cursed. There's going to be thorns and thistles. And so it wasn't the world's fault, it says. The the earth didn't do this. We did it to the earth with our sin. So in hope, longing to be free, groaning in the pain of childbirth, creations like a mother with tons of pain longing for this baby to come. So the fall resulted in the curse, and that's corrupted not only a natural world, but mankind that we'll see here next. So creation groans. And we have yet to see, uh, and we're gonna see this later, the new when creation, and when we see creation as it was meant to be. If we think a sunset is pretty now, just wait. If You think a tree is beautiful now, just wait. We are, we are still seeing through a glass dimly Number two, God's children groan. In verse 23, he says this. He says, and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. So we're a work in progress, right? We groan for the day when we'll be what we were meant to be and created to be in all the fullness of that God has for us. So how does God want us to process this suffering that we're experiencing as his creatures? By groaning. And groaning is, is, is admitting that this is not the way it should be. This is not the kind of husband I want to be, dear. It, it really grieves me to think that I am... Uh, still offending you or sinning against you or uh, in that way. It's not the way I want to be. It's not the way God created me to be. That's linked with repentance, isn't it? We're groaning over our failure to be what we know God is calling us to be. Do you groan over your sin? Or do you just say, well, sorry about that. Or do you kind of discount it and say, you know what, the world's bad, but you know, it's all good. Let's just smile and trust Jesus. We'll get through this. You know, no, I think we're to groan. We groan for glory. We groan for the day when we will have the full adoption as sons. We are adopted, but we're not living in the Father's house yet. And that day is coming. So we groan with a view toward the future. We don't just groan in the present. So it's more than just the corruption out there, it's the corruption within our hearts. Uh, Here's a quote from Alexander, Social Nation. The line separating good and evil passes not through states or between classes or between parties, political parties, but right through every human heart. So if I'm groaning at all the bad stuff out there and over here and over there and those people and those political parties and those enemies, but I'm not groaning over that part of my own heart the way the Apostle Paul did in chapter 7, what does he call himself? A wretched man. He groaned over that part of him that we said in our confession that doesn't do what we want to do and ends up not doing what we should do. Does that cause you to groan? That's a groaning, that's a healthy groaning. So we eagerly wait for that adoption. It's a future. We're living uh, with the future back. We're looking ahead toward what is going to be, and we're groaning for that. And we're gonna see that as we come to the table today. When you come to the Lord's table, you're getting a taste of the feast that you're gonna enjoy in the future. So we can groan now, but we can also uh, look ahead. And finally, the Spirit groans in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us, groaning too deep for words. Isn't that interesting that the Spirit of Jesus is praying for you You are loved, as Mark said. And you have someone praying for you. The Spirit of Jesus, your high priest, praying for you. And not just praying, but groaning for you. (laughs) He's groaning for you to be more and more of what He wants you to be and what God wants you to be. If you want to hear that passage, uh, verse 26, I like the way uh, one... Uh, paraphrase puts it in the message. Listen to this, verse 26 through 28. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how to what to pray or how to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps our presence before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is working into something good. Isn't that good? I I like the way that's paraphrased that, that thought. So the groaning of God, the groaning of the Spirit in prayer gives us a couple of things, and I'll close with this. How do we how do we how does that affect us? and as I thought about it, there's a couple of words in here that that reflect. One is that it gives us hope. How many times do you see the word hope just in this little section? you know it's it's hope in hope verse 20 that um, in verse twenty four we're seeing what's seen is not hope for he who hopes so That kind of perspective the Holy Spirit gives us as He prays for us, gives us hope. Hope. Hope is not just, uh, well, maybe that'll happen. Hope is an understanding that there's something better coming. There's something better coming and we can have hope. And, And that hope, when we have it, gives us a different perspective on reality. Because we're seeing what's happening, not in terms of just the sensory... Uh, circumstance, we're seeing it in light. We're seeing through it in light of something greater. There's one story I'll tell. I'll go quickly, but there was a lady. I think it's a fake story, but it makes for a good illustration. A lady who was who was uh, who was terminal uh, ill, terminally ill. She knew she was going to pass. She was a believer. She was a strong believer. And the pastor came over to visit, and they were making arrangements for her funeral. And they talked about the hymns and everything. And then she said, one more thing, you know, I want to open casket and in the casket, I want you to put a dinner fork uh, in my hand. And he said, what? You want a dinner fork in your hand? And she said, yeah. He said, well, that's kind of strange. we'll do it, but do you mind telling me why? She said, well, every potluck we've ever had at church, after the, after the main uh, entree is served, they say, save your fork. The best is yet to come. Dessert is really going to be good. <laughs> she said, I want that message at my funeral. The best is yet to come. And you know, the perspective that that gives us to have hope makes a big difference in how we react to suffering. It... Uh, it gives us hope for the future. And think about the songs that have been written about deliverance and hope. Did you know that the old, you've got a southerner here, so Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, that song was written about the Underground Railroad of the railroad chariots that would come down to the south and swing low and pick up slaves and take them back home and take them away. So it was swing down, swing, Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to take me home. It's a song of hope and deliverance like a lot of the Negro spirituals were in those days. Um, And of course, literature is full of that. And my favorite quote on that is Tolkien where uh, Lord of the Rings, here's here's three or four lines. Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything gonna come untrue? What happened to the world? A great shadow has departed said Gandalf and then he laughed and the sound was like music or like water in a parched land and he listened and the thought came to Sam as he had not heard laughter the pure sound of merriment for the days upon days without count. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Yeah it is. That's the hope Hope gives us that perspective and it changes the way we interpret circumstances, the way we pray, the way we read, the way we serve, the way we worship, the way we love, the way we forgive. We interpret everything knowing, like verse 28 says, for those who love God, all things are going to work together for good. So I'm interpreting life With that perspective, we pray not that we can escape this world, but God would use us to bring reconciliation to this nation and bring it back and and work to reverse the curse and be reconcilers. We read God's word with this perspective, and we know, as Paul, old Paul Harvey used to say, we know the end of the story. We read God's word, and we know the end of the story, and we serve hope to a hurting world. Groaning can be the fuel for missions. We groan because we're seeing uh, the gospel not going where it could go to help and heal and bless people. We worship from that perspective and what we're going to do here in communion is a, a little uh, foretaste of the future. Just like the children of Israel tasted those uh tasted the the grapes and the the produce from the Holy Land and got a taste of what the promised land was gonna be like, we get a taste today and we worship with a foretaste of that meal where, as we sang last week, we will feast in the house of Zion. We're not there yet, but we will feast. This is a reminder of that. And of course, we love that way too. We love with that perspective. We love knowing that that, um, we're seeing now dimly, but then face to face. And that causes us to forgive. You see, God is liberating us. And that gives us the grace to liberate other people instead of holding them bondage to our bitterness and our anger. Somebody said, if you lock up the piano because you don't want to play any music for a person... How's God ever going to play you any music? And you see, that perspective gives us grace to forgive people who have injured us. So, uh, last week I was asked to read Psalm 13 at Chloe's funeral, and I've been thinking about it since. Um, And uh, at that service, I read Psalm 13. And it it was really a... A groaning about how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And it goes on. But then at the end it says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. So in the midst of his groaning, he can sing. In the midst of groaning, he can sing. And then we sang at the end of that service, I will... Feast in the house of Zion. And that's a great song of hope. And I I just love some of the some of the some of the lyrics today. I won't read them all, but let me tell you a few of them. Uh, No, I won't tell you a few of them because uh, yeah, I will tell you a few of them. We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. We will not be burned by the fire. He is the Lord our God. We are not consumed by the flood. We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things, we will say. We will feast and weep no more. What a great hope, doesn't it? That in the midst of suffering, in the midst of physical, national, worldwide, personal suffering, we can still have hope. One of my favorite artists, Andrew Peterson, has written a song that maybe you sing here at Trinity. Um, and uh, it, it, it's really written as a liturgy uh, to be responded to. And you have really only a couple of words to, remind, to, to respond with. And uh, it's... Um, It goes like this. And I'm going to read a couple of these lines and you can respond with the words we do or he is. Can you remember that? (laughs) All right. So here we go. Do you feel the word is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish you could see it all made new? We do. (laughs) Now you change to it is. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is the new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good today that we remind ourselves of this? Father, we do remind ourselves of this today. And we do groan for the glory that will be revealed in us and in creation. We groan to see everything sad become untrue. We groan to see uh, the beauty of this world in the new world with new world perspective. We groan to see love and forgiveness and shalom and uh, come to the nations and to uh, the lion and the lamb. We groan, Lord, to see uh, 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 the disruption and dissonance in this world. But we also, Lord, groan and grieve with hope as we come to this table now. We thank you that you have done the ultimate groaning and grieving. You have leaned into suffering like nothing and no one else. You have entered suffering fully. And we thank you that we can participate in a, in a very little way today as we remind ourselves through this meal that you have paid the price to uh, make all things new eventually uh, in our hearts and in our future and in our world. Thank you for your full and great and gracious redemption, for your great love to come and rescue us uh, so we don't have to be stuck forever in a warped and polluted body in a world that's going uh, away from you. But we can... Be lights. We can be testimony. We can we can be uh, a witness to this world. Help us love, serve, witness, and interpret, and live and forgive. And in that light, today, in Jesus' name, Amen.